This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Bush Report fans, I've got a question for you. Have you ever wanted a pet, but not all the responsibility that comes with owning one? Then the Pet Share app is for you. Pet Share is the revolutionary pet custody sharing app that allows for multiple individuals to share ownership of a single pet. Maybe you're someone who needs the companionship of a pet during the week, but the freedom to party hard on the weekends. Or maybe you're some kind of weirdo like Greg that works from 3 a.m. to noon shifts, Saturday through Wednesday, and needs the comfort of a pet to get you through the other two days because you literally have no one around. No matter your pet needs, PetShare is here to help. PetShare consists of an ever-growing number of sub-communities, whether you want it to be puppy pals, ferret friends, bird buddies, or a member of the kitten club or lizard lounge, PetShare is here to help you find the specific pet or pet owner you're looking for. Signing up for PetShare to become a part-time owner is easy as it sounds. Just open the app, select the appropriate sub-community, and the number of days you wish to be an owner, and PetShare helps you find your future pet. Are you a full-time pet owner looking for someone to become a part owner? No problem! Post your pet and number of days your pet is available to own, and PetShare will supply you with potential owners to meet your needs. Recently, PixelValley.com has called PetShare life-changing and cites its easy-to-use features as a real walk in the bark. PetShare is currently in development, and if you're interested in joining PetShare or you would like to contribute to the development of PetShare, please email PetShare1, that's the number one, PetShare1 at gmail.com today. Full disclosure, as the host of this podcast, I don't know if that joke was an app, I don't know if that app was a joke or not. Blue Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I think we made some signing or something or else, but Greg, say hello. I've always noticed that you start off with the Blue Shirts Breakaway as if that's really our name. It's the Blue Shirts Breakaway. That's what we call ourselves. It's like it's like we're the Ohio State University. Yeah, the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I never noticed I did that till now, but I'm going to run with it. I'm into it. You do it. You do it every, every time we bring on a guest. You're like, welcome to the Blue Shirts Breakaway. And every time you start a podcast, it's, hey, we're the Blue Shirts Breakaway. And it's like, it's not really our name, but... We, we, I mean, we can, we can totally be it. We could own it, like the Ohio State University. We're the Bushwick's Breakaway. If that's what it is. I'm not, cha- I'm, yeah, I'm not changing our name anywhere though. We're still, we're sticking with what we are. Yeah, we're not changing our name. Let's just get that out there. Um, <laughs> more behind the scenes. You know what really grinds my gears, Greg? Go. Last year on Fourth of July, we actually recorded yeah. on Fourth of July, which was uh, a grand old time for us. People. That was a Monday. Yeah. It's daylight when we're recording this, as a tradition uh, of this podcast. We say when we are recording, it is 6.57 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's it's pretty damn light out. People are blowing up fireworks. Why are you blowing up fireworks when it's daytime? I don't understand. Do you have a, can, you, can you console me on these people? Can you sell me on why these people are doing this? I think people just like blowing shit up. That's probably true. I think it's that simple. That's probably true. There's, I, there's, some, there's some like organic or cathartic feeling about blowing something up what are your really feelings nice. on on blowing up now not on the saturday the saturday or before or the saturday after fourth of july i give you full reign to go blow shit up go ahead firework time I don't. it's the time I don't. sunday night july 3rd gonna be an old man here stop doing all fireworks scaring my you animals get, my dog's crawling in my butt just tons of fireworks Terrible. in my world you get one day to blow shit up and it's called july 4th and that's what we're celebrating. I don't want to hear shit on any other night. I should unless it's unless it's like if a baseball team does fireworks night and they make, but that's controlled and it's usually at an appropriate time. But I, I don't know no. if we're old or not. I everyone, can't tell. Everyone gets. What'd you say? I don't know if we're old or not. I can't tell. We're complaining uh, about fireworks. <laughs> yeah, no. Everyone gets one day to blow shit up. It's called July Fourth. It's why the holiday exists. Not, and that, and I guess we signed a Declaration of Independence, but that's not really why. All right, and now to the important news, Greg. Sure. The over/under of the hot dog eating contest is seventy-one hot dogs for Joey Chestnut. Sandwich eating contest? Yeah, sandwich eating contest. We're gonna get to that later in our MLB poll. But first of all, 
Uh, we haven't really touched back on this. Adam, I'm so upset that you think a hot dog is a sandwich. It, I've, it's really been devastating me all week long. It's it's brought me down. I know that no matter what, no matter who we ask on this podcast for the rest of eternity, even if we require that, retire that question going forward, I will oh, be no, very no, upset. No, no. We're not retiring it. <laughs> we could after Adam. That was pretty brutal for me. Uh, mm, it was really- I mean, I'm going to remind you of it for the rest of time, but we're not retiring it. That question is an important pillar in the history of this podcast. And you said 71 and a half for Joey Chestnut? 71 and a half for Joey Chestnut. Does he go over or under? I'll take the over. I'll take the under. His record's 69. Is it really? Nice. nice. Yeah. Hey, nice. Hey, speaking of 6.9, Kevin Weeks reported on Saturday morning. Uh, we mm. did a free agency show on our Patreon where we sure kind of went through the uh, the ups and downs of free agency. We had sort of what you would call an emotional roller coaster of a Saturday morning. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Okay. Kevin Weeks reported early. I was at the gym. I got popped up. It was 6.9. We were all like, nice. Great. Nine, it was four years. And I think that's what got us the most excited at that point in time it was the four years, right? It was like, yep. holy shit, we're going to get Kevin Shackkirk for four years. And I think at that point, immediately everyone came out and was like, hey, man, that's not true. That report's fake. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no way Kevin's signing for that. And then a few hours later, as as the show ended, our live show ended, we get, we heard the news that Kevin Shackkirk signed for less, 6.65 million, four years uh, and he said he doesn't really matter if it's four years or seven years. It's a four-year contract or a three-year contract. He's going to be here for seven years either way. Uh, I, I think this is a great deal for the Rangers. I'm absolutely uh, – I don't, I don't even have a word to describe how excited I am or my vocabulary is very poor, whichever comes first or both. And here I am. I just pumped for the season, and yet it's so far away. We've kind of gone through the, the all the news that's coming for these past – we've gone through everything. We've gone through the expansion draft. We've gone through trading step on. We, now we have Shattenkirk, and now what do we have left for the summer except for waiting and hope? Uh, well, first of all, live podcast didn't end just because you left. We still went. We went on until about 3.15. Okay, I came back, though. I came back for the Shattenkirk news. I said hello. For, for like 10, 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go. I had something. So I take I – take, uh, I take uh, – I have, I have some gumption with what you're saying. That might not even be the word I'm looking for. Look, I – passed out watching a very smart documentary. So there are words in my head that I don't even know what they mean, but I feel like I just need to say them. Look at you, Gumchu. Uh, that's not what I said. Uh, <laughs> the most surprising thing about the Shattenkirk signing, it's not just the money. Oh, is, it's the money. That's part it, of it. No, it's, it's the years for me. It's the four years because he left – he, he definitely left money on the table. I know the Devils offered more. They're saying they didn't go beyond five years, but they definitely beat the Rangers in average annual salary. It's the years because this is a 28-year-old free agent. In one sense, you can think he's setting himself up for a second payday. Uh, players have done that before in other sports, taking a shorter-term deal just to be able to hit the free agent market again. And at 32, there's no reason to think Kevin Shattenkirk couldn't He's still get, get another substantial payday. But to go from seven years, which is what the rumor was that he wanted, and I, I'd be surprised if a team didn't offer him seven years, all the way down to four years, is, it's it's hard to wrap your mind around. It it does make it clear to me that Kevin Shattenkirk had no interest in ever signing with another team. He was always coming to the Rangers, which is something we have. I think. It's something we definitely talked ourselves into at the trade deadline, which is why we were all happy the Rangers didn't really trade assets for him and instead traded assets for Brandon Smith, who they also re-signed, which is now fantastic. Uh, and, and that contract looks great in hindsight as well, especially considering what other defensemen of lesser caliber than Smith were getting. It's a tad of an overpay. Don't get me wrong. It still is. But he... Uh, look, Smith, you look at what Smith's getting and you look at what Carl Alsner got. And oh, I'm, I'd much rather have Brandon Smith. That feels real good. I'll tell you what. I'd much rather have Brendan Smith. And we don't know Smith's full potential. You know, his his kind of profile is an up-and-down player, but he played for the Red Wings, which was a kind of a down organization at that point. And since he mm. got... Well, you know, when he was when he was there, they weren't really great. No, but I, I'd stop short of saying... I, I don't know if there's a whole lot left untapped in Brandon Smith. I think what we saw in the 18 games in the regular season in the playoffs is what to expect from Brandon Smith. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... I You're, you're making it sound like he's got some... Shay potential outside. left on that. Yeah, I just I, I think what I think what we saw from Brandon Smith is very good, and I think that's what the Rangers hopefully are going to get over a full season. 
I'd stop short of saying there's a whole lot left to the mystery of Brandon Smith. That's fair. Hey, uh, here, um, here's a good question for you. Sure. I don't know if you read. Uh, you were you were sleeping when we had this conversation, so I don't think you know the answer. Oh, we had a conversation. Uh, not uh, not you and me, other people. What uh, rank were, out of all the teams last year? What position did the Rangers rank in the power play? Ooh, uh, I, I think 18th or so. 10th in the regular season. What? I know. I felt the same way. Go look it up. It's true. Interesting. Um, hmm. Now this brings us to my next question. How much yep. has Kevin Shattenkirk improved this power play? Because it seems like it's going to be a lot. Uh, I think it's I think it's monumental, and I think it's two reasons why. One, you have to remember, the Rangers haven't had a true power play quarterback since Keith Yandel, but even the players Yandel was working with on the power play, I don't think are on the caliber of what Shattenkirk is going to get. I know... In some sense, it's the same players, but we're talking about a much younger Kevin uh, Chris Kreider. We're talking about Matt Zuccarello, who wasn't playing at the same level that he played last year. I, I think Shat- the pieces around Shattenkirk are going to be a little more dynamic than what Keith Yandel had to work with. Um, and really, to me, the most important part about bringing in Shattenkirk, uh, and I wrote about this on our Patreon site, that you guys are more than... Willing to read. Even, hey, little plug. Yeah, just a little little plug there. You don't even need to be a contributor to read this one. I made it public for everybody. One of the important aspects of signing Kevin Shattenkirk is the Rangers don't now don't have to play Ryan McDonough on any of their power play units. Ryan McDonough could focus on being a top pairing defenseman and one of the number one defenders on the penalty kill. He does not have to play the number one power play unit minutes that he had to play last year because the Rangers simply did not have a defenseman that could quarterback a power play exactly and mcdonough's so, never been like the dynamic offensive player uh and no that's but, fine but this this is a guy that averaged over 24 minutes of ice time last year and he needed to because the rangers just didn't have any other guy that could be on that unit i think the trust wasn't there yet in with brady shea um i'd argue that brady shea will probably be on the second unit again like he was last year uh, even though I think Nick Holden was the guy last year, but I'd be stunned if Brady Shea wasn't the quarterback of the second power play unit this year, especially with the leaps that he made as an all-around player for the Rangers throughout last season. So you're you're upgrading from Ryan McDonough and Nick Holden as your defenseman on the power play to Kevin Shattenkirk and Brady Shea. Oh, that feels so good. You know what else feels good? Top pairing of Shatty McDonough. Oh boy, uh, it's I, mean, I was. I was talking about this with other guys in our Discord. Again, just another thing to plug that we offer up all <laughs> we, our listeners. We're going to talk about our Discord a lot, and I'm sorry about that. We just keep, like, it just is nonstop. I know we say this every week. It's crazy. I love it. And, yeah, uh, we're, uh, we're going to try and keep our, our plugs down, but they end up just coming out naturally. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk is far and away the best player Ryan McDonough is ever going to get to play with on the Rangers' first pairing. Oh, I can't think of – it's – even even prime Girardi or prime Stahl, they were never on the level of Kevin Shattenkirk, as Kevin Shattenkirk is right now. This is without question the best top pairing ever to play in front of Henrik Lundqvist. And it's without question, in my mind, the best top four in the Metropolitan Division and probably one of the five best top fours in the entire NHL. I think the only teams that really have a uh, calling to the number one spot that's not Ducks. the Rangers. Nashville still has a very deep top four. The Flames, now that they have Hamannick, have a very deep top four. The Ducks? But the, oh, the, the e- Ducks, the east, absolutely. Sorry. You said the East, right? Um, yeah, well, no, I, in that, I said oh, the Rangers were top Nashville. five in the okay. NHL. Yeah, you're right. So we're talking about a team entering this post this offseason where they probably had one of the bottom ten defensive units absolutely. in the entire yeah. league, and that's with Ryan McDonough, Brady Shea under contract who are two very good defenders, but they were saddled with Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl and Nick Holden, and they've transformed themselves into a top five defensive rank with depth. I think that's one of the important things to remember too. This, this Ranger team, if there's an injury, we're not, we're not calling up a camphor. We're not calling up uh, someone else of that quality. I mean, I would love, I, I still think, Congratulations, Adam Clendenning. I'm very happy. Not only he got a oh yeah, we a very talk. good contract. He got he's in a very, in my mind, a perfect situation. Uh, the Coyotes. If any team's going to untap the potential of Adam Clendenning, it's the Coyotes, who yeah. are a very 
statistics friendly team that love the charts and they're gonna chart they're boys. gonna find a way to utilize his abilities arizona is definitely full of chart boys um absolutely and uh, i think adam will see will, will be a mainstay of their uh, well he'll probably be on the third pairing of the defense over there he'll get playing time uh he'll be able to you know showcase his talents that he was yeah. able to show here and I, i'm happy for him you know i'm yep. once again i'm happy he came on the podcast i can't i still can't yep. believe it but uh, uh yeah. I, I think he'll i think he'll easily set a career high in games played next year i think i think there's I, I think a lot of Ranger fans agree that are um, advanced stats friendly that think there is a uh, untapped potential with Adam Clendetting that we haven't seen just because he hasn't gotten run. And I think he's going to get run in Arizona. Um, but back to the point I was making, we don't – Camfer is going to be here, but he's – it would it would take catastrophic injuries for someone like Camfer to crack the Ranger lineup because well, finally they, now yeah, you have, they have – Now you have Graves? You got, you got Graves ready. I think um, – First of all, Nick Holden is this team's seventh defenseman right now, which I think will we'll get, change. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get there. So you have a bona fide NHLer as your seventh defenseman for now. For now. You have Alexei Beriglazov, who I, I still think is guaranteed a spot on the Rangers come opening night you, in some way, shape, wait, or form. No way. He's going yeah. back. No, that's why I think he's guaranteed a spot. I think the Rangers the Rangers don't wouldn't have brought him over if they weren't going to play him. Really? You think that? Yeah. I think they, they thought that before they – they was kind of like their backup for Shattenkirk. For, that's my opinion. For me – Again, considering the years and the money Shattenkirk took, I think Jeff Gordon is smart enough to realize this was always going to happen. I mean I, – I don't think it was a surprise We kind of knew it was always going to happen, right? Did we ever doubt that he wasn't coming? We were always on the train he's coming, right? We, I think we wavered in the last couple of weeks after the Smith re-signing. I mean, I remember telling you that it was starting to feel like an either-or situation with Brandon Smith and Kevin Shattenkirk. I still I felt think, like we were getting both. I, I feel like I've been on that train the whole time. You might have been. I, I wavered a little bit. I, I, I just thought the fact that there were no rumors coming from the Rangers or Shattenkirk's camp, I got a little nervous. But I, I, that's just Jeff Gorton's front office. I've never met a front office that's more locked lip in any sport that I follow. And it's wonderful to cover them. Let me just tell you, as you know, a person <laughs> who hosts a Ranger podcast, people that, you know, the Rangers keep the Rangers players uh, mouths pretty, pretty so tight, I would say. Uh, mm. And also, you know, they don't release anything. So we get to cover all of that, all that goodness. It really gives juicy material for us. It does make the news surprising though. I was, when the Broussard trade happened, that was stunning because we never even knew the Rangers were shopping them. Right. Uh, the VC stuff was stunning because we had already written him off as a viable option. We thought he was going to be a Bruin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it just – it's on one hand very frustrating because it's hard for us to read the tea leaves. But on the other hand, you get our purest reactions to when the Rangers actually do something because we can't believe they did it. Uh, but it, the sense I get is Shattenkirk coming to the Rangers wasn't a surprise for Gordon. So I think he knew – and I think that's why he didn't really trade for him or I make mean, a significant move to trade for him at the deadline because he knew it was coming and he didn't want to give up assets for him. The money in here he, says it all, Greg. It says yeah, it all, so, man. The dude so won, when, he said in an interview, not to cut you off, I'm sorry about that, but he said in an interview like what, right after on NHL Network, he's like, I've always pictured myself in a New York Ranger uniform. Other teams have given me uh, offers that I had to consider longer terms, more money, but I wanted to be here in New York. And that was it. End of story. Yeah, I mean, we know for a fact that he turned down seven years from the Lightning. The Lightning were prepared to trade for him at the deadline last year and offer him a seven-year extension. He said he wasn't going to sign it. So that's one. That's at least one team that offered him seven years. Uh, There's the others out there. But sure. but my original point regarding Barry Glazov is right. I the if the Rangers knew Shattenkirk was coming and the Rangers knew they wanted to bring back Brandon Smith, they would still have to find a home for this guy. And I I he's he's young, but he's not exactly all that young. He's already 23. So you don't just sign that guy. You don't sign a 23-year-old to stash in Russia. Let me put it that way. For me, I, I, but there's just no spot for him for me. Because, all right, so top pairing, it's it's Shaddy McDonough. Then it's going to sure. be Shea Smith. And then it's yep. going to be Stahl D'Angelo. The more I think about it, I don't know if D'Angelo necessarily is guaranteed a spot in the starting lineup. Really? I, th I think I think it's, it's more likely D'Angelo starts the year in Hartford than... Beriglazov going back to Russia. So you would say it would be Stahl Beriglazov? I can't fucking... <laughs> Beriglazov? I, I honestly, gun to my head, think the bottom pairing will be D'Angelo Stahl, but I think Beriglazov will be the seventh defenseman. Hmm. Okay, so this, this leads us to our next point. 
And I think we're both on the same page for this one. We're trading Nick Holden. Have to. Got to happen. This is this is a guy 30 years old. So he, he we were talking about how Brandon Smith is what he is. Nick Holden very clearly is what he is. And, and that is a the, winger, Greg. We could trade yeah. him for a good price. Wingers are in demand right now. He's got offensive potential. Uh, it, it, I think that's how we pitch him as a trade. There are plenty of teams who missed out on the defensive free agency market that could use a Nick Holden. Vegas could use Nick Holden. I know uh, our friend Jeff Belinsky. I, I tease him with it, but the Devils could very easily use a player like Nick Holden. There are plenty of teams out there that could use defensive depth, and the Rangers now have an embarrassment of riches defensively. That and feels so weird to say. We spent It's incredible. Greg, we spent the last year crapping on this defense just every yep. week pulling down our pants and just laying I'd, one I'd on say, this defense i'd say we spent in the, of, of in the history of this podcast the thing we've complained about the most is far and away the rangers defensive it's, issues it's number one defensive issues it's number two tanner glass i i can't think of anything else we complain about more oh uh, i used to complain no, a lot about chris Kreider. i was about to say number two is probably the mets number three is probably tanner glass number four is chris number four is yeah there, there was i remember a lot of podcasts about me trading chris Kreider. and it was a lot of me being like no no way. <laughs> there were there were two podcasts where I think you jumped on. No way. I We have people that could confirm this or deny this, and I will ask them. Because uh, I will not go back and listen, but they have. So I will ask them. Um, yeah. And here's, here's something we need to plainly state. There are plenty of people, smart people, people that you and I respect who write for the Rangers uh, in the bloggospheres. Which is not a, it, first of all, that's a term of endearment. I respect every blogger there is because we've been there. This podcast uh, is basically. We're uh, still there? <laughs> yeah, this is basically an audio blog. So it's not exactly, I, when I say blogosphere, that is not me talking down to anyone. That is said with the utmost respect because they do yeoman's work, working full-time other jobs, having to push papers all day and then still find time to cover this team with immense knowledge and background and insight and it is to be respected and i hate anyone who says they're just people on computers in their parents basements that's the most disrespectful thing I can hey man they're of. nerds they never played the game they don't know what it's like um so there are plenty of people you and i respect mm -hmm. in the world of rangers i hope this insight. is going where i think it is it's not that there isn't a market for mark stall there is. I think if Mark Stahl didn't have a no movement clause, even with the years on his contract and the money he's owed, the Rangers could move him. If they have to retain a little salary, they can make it work. Because we're talking about an NHL climate that just gave Dan Girardi, who was bought out by the Rangers, two guaranteed years, $3 million annually, and a guaranteed top four role. So clearly, NHL GMs are idiots. So there's a market for Mark Stahl. If the Rangers did not give him a no-movement clause, there's a market for him. However, and this is probably the biggest however I've ever said in the history of this podcast. Wow, I'm right. He has a no-movement clause. It's that simple. He's not it's going not that there, it's, it's, it's not that there isn't a market for Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl doesn't want to go anywhere. Why would he? And why would he? Yeah. Why would he? It's in New York. He, he's been in New York his entire career. I think he wants to stay in New York through the entirety of that contract. The, the Rangers have probably had conversations with other teams about trading Mark Stahl. And Mark Stahl has probably said, fuck no, I'm very happy where I am. Yeah. So he's not going anywhere. For example, Zuccarello said he only wants to be in two different jerseys. It's, you know, it's the New York Ranger jersey in Norway. He's not playing anywhere else. That's just the yeah. way he so, is. So he takes less money. What? And you know what? Fans can't be angry if Mark Stahl says that. It was the Rangers' decision to give him a no-movement clause. Right. Mark yeah, Stahl exactly. is just Mark Stahl is simply exercising the option the Rangers gave him. That's not Mark Stahl. It's not Mark Stahl's job to look out for the Rangers and make the Rangers a better team. It's Mark Stahl's job to show up every night and give his effort 100% on the ice. And I honestly think he does that. It's just his his skills have diminished to a point where he if money is not the issue and AV wasn't the coach, I, I without question, Mark Stahl would be this team's seventh defenseman. Uh, but it's, we're talking about AV. I think it's – I've said this and I'll say it again. I, it's more likely Mark Stahl plays second line minutes than it is for him to ever be a healthy scratch. Absolutely. And I actually agree with you. Uh uh, I, I don't, I don't the, see that changing. By the way, yeah, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted to say. It's not that everyone says, "Well, if Dan Girardi is getting this, then there has to be a market for Mark Stahl." There is a market for Mark Stahl. The difference is Mark Stahl doesn't have to make himself available, and I don't think he is. I think Mark Stahl is telling the Rangers, "No, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm yours. Saying. We're, we're going to make this work." Yeah. And 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 honestly, I think that's why the Rangers don't they don't 
push the subject because they, they just know where Mark Stahl's thoughts are on it. And that's in New York. He's going to be a Ranger next year. The only way he stops being a Ranger is if he gets bought out. And I don't see that happening in the next Or he next gets injured, uh, you know, something that we, I hope it doesn't happen to him just because uh, I would never wish that on anyone if he gets injured right. in, a, in a way where he'd have to be a permanent IR. That's it. Right. So, uh, and I would never say that about Mark Stahl, no matter how much I don't want him playing for my team. No. And there's still an effective way to use Mark Stahl. If you, one, manage his minutes and two... Manage his games. Manage his games. If you make Mark Stahl a player that only plays 60, 60 to 65% of the time you'll get a much more effective Mark Stahl. You pick, you pick your matchups with Mark Stahl. You don't play him on back-to-backs. This is, this is not st- new stuff you and I have talked about. We talked about this all last year. It just doesn't make Andrew sense. Hardy. Like, all right, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Because this is something I kind of want to get into. Sure. We, can, we can agree. Uh, this has been bugging me a lot, actually. Okay. The, M- the MLB and the NBA, and not really the NFL, but the MLB and the NBA, are, we can agree at this point are advanced thinking leagues, right? Sure. Uh, they go by advanced stats. They try new things. They're always trying to gain the competitive edge on their opponents. And I think you and I could agree at this point that sitting Mark Stahl on, on back-to-backs or playing the matchups for Mark Stahl and playing the numbers with him effect, uh, you know, effectively uses him to the best of his ability and makes the Rangers a better team. But yet that doesn't happen. Why yep. is the NHL, you know, Tampa Bay, which I thought was a forward-thinking team, just signed Girardi, who, by the way, I still love as a person, uh, to a $3 million deal over two years. And they're going to play him on a six, on the on the third line. Like, why is this? Why oh, is they're this not playing on the third line? It, it's more like Dan Girardi is. I'd say it's a. He's definitely in the top four in Tampa Bay, and I'd say right now it's 50-50. He might be their top pairing defender to go with Victor Hedman. It's unbelievable, dude. Like, I just, I, I like I said, I respect Girardi. I I love that the man is getting paid. Good for him. Keep getting those checks. But in this league, that I just don't understand how it's so not forward thinking yet how these practices haven't become more standard, how people are signing all these deals that everyone kind of knows is bad, but everyone's okay with it. I, 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 I don't have an ability to explain it. I mean, we're talking about the same league that the Sharks just gave Joe Thornton more millions of dollars than goals he scored last year, which makes me think the Rangers never had a shot at Joe Thornton. The Rangers were never giving Joe Thornton $8 million, even if it was for one year. No. It just wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't happening. Uh, Patrick Marlowe got three years, almost the same amount of money as Shattenkirk. So Marlowe was never happening. These are contracts By that like, Carey Price just got eight years, ten point five million. Yeah, but at the same time, Carey Price probably deserves that. He definitely deserves it. But you so, know, that's a, that's a contract that's gonna be. Whew, that's gonna that's gonna hurt. That's gonna hurt. I mean, it it, it, it almost you almost have to pay. You, the Canadians waited so long to pay Carey Price that. They put themselves in a position where they had to pay for past performance. That's true. And that's what they did. Yep. That's what they did. And I respect because the that. First, that, that. The that, that, first three years of that Carey Price contract is still going to be elite Carey Price. Carey Price, by the that, way, that is a bad example for that eight years. Uh, I, he's obviously a fantastic player and, and maybe the best goalie in the league, if not the right. best. Right. The, the example you should have used is TJ Oshie getting eight years, which that's is the most the ridiculous thing in the entire world. That's the one. Um, Lockout. Yeah, I, first of all, it's blackouts definitely happening. Happening, hundred percent happening. Strap it. Let's get out of the way. But it's, it's not, I don't think it's going to change anything. I think, and for whatever reason, NHL GMs are the most adverse to analytics and advanced stats of any front office community that I've ever seen. Uh, because in a way, while GMs in baseball weren't using Moneyball statistics like the A's were, I they were do, they were still using stats beyond the eye test. Uh, and I know the the NBA has probably been the most... Oh, the NBA um, is crazy now. They have yeah, so many stats for everything. Yeah, the way they've integrated advanced stats into scouting, into um, play calling, just into every aspect of the game well, in such a short period It's revolutionized time. the whole game, dude. Like, they, yeah. it went from mid-range shots to don't ever take those. It's, it's basically people... It's almost like people realize taking a three-pointer... Scores you more points than mm. taking an 18 footer jumper. Mm. So weird that how um, that math works. Right. But still, the fact it happened that people made that realization and it is now utilized throughout the entire league. All 30 teams, in some way, shape, or form, have a stats guy. And the NHL just doesn't. Steve Yeiserman, a up until this offseason, someone who I viewed as a very smart GM, talked about how the Lightning have stats that justify using Dan Girardi as a top four pairing defenseman. 
And oh, I have terrible news I, for them. Right. It's it's honestly a, it's a mean girls moment because the limit does not exist. I I don't know what's maybe he played NHL 17 and with bumped, Dan Girardi. Up Girardi. He was like, I'm yeah. the stats. Maybe those are where the stats were coming from. Girardi had like one of the worst stats game. suppression stats. I'm you know I'm not a chart boy yet. I'm I'm working on becoming a chart boy. Dan, James Clark's chart boy school of chart boying. But yeah, I, I I don't think it's a very controversial opinion. I think it's fact. Dan Girardi was one of the five worst defensemen in the NHL last year. Yeah, until the playoffs, and even then he was you know he was good, but he not was great. Fine. Like the fact that Dan Girardi was fine in the playoffs was incredible. Was leaps and bounds great. It was for really Rangers. something crazy. I really did not have a single complaint about Dan Girardi in the playoffs. Hmm. But Dan Girardi in the regular season, he's it, it's the thing that's crazy about Dan Girardi is it's it's not just the advanced stats, it's the eye test. You can watch Dan Girardi play a hockey game and know it's not there anymore. You don't yeah. you don't need an advanced stat to tell you that Dan Girardi is past his prime. You don't need and it. And cooked. You don't need it. The eye test is easy there. Yeah, uh, that, I, I know that one's done. The, the 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 chart backs it up, but the eye test is Dan Girardi just is past his prime, well past it, because he gave his entire body to the Rangers in his prime years. He blocked every shot. He played through injuries. The, his body is just run down because he's a 33-year-old defenseman that has now, eaten somewhere in the neighborhood getting, of 2,000 shots. Dude's getting two checks. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. I mean, look, Dan Girardi, if someone's going to offer you $6 million over two years, absolutely take it. It's free money. But I, the justification of that contract is – it, it, it doesn't exist. It it just doesn't. I don't want. I don't know why a team that has aspirations to compete for a Stanley Cup thinks oh. Dan Girardi playing top four minutes is going to help their team. They're a serious team for a cup, a cup contender. They're the, probably the strongest team in that division too, which is even scarier. Look, Victor Hedman is one of the three best defensemen in the entire NHL. He should win the Norris if the numbers don't change for him and he's Carlson. able to carry Dan Girardi throughout the entire year. Carlson's going to win again. Dude's insane. No, but I'm, I'm, Carlson doesn't have if, if Carlson had to play with Dan Girardi, he should win the next 6 Norris. <laughs> oh, but if if man. Victor if Victor Hedman can put up the numbers while playing next to Dan Girardi, he absolutely deserves the Norris because that's a feat that is going to be legendary in my mind. And that's the other thing about McDonough. Just to bring this back to the Rangers. Coming it's back. going to be exciting to see McDonough's game because McDonough's numbers were great last year. They're only going to get better because he's not going to have to cover for a dead body like he had through the last two years. <laughs> I love referring to Girardi as a dead body. <laughs> like, I, I was also, like a that zombie. Was a a that was a blanket statement for Klein and Stahl and anyone, everyone well, else. Anyone who's, who's play Ryan McDonough has to look at and be like, that? That's what yeah. I'm playing with? Ryan McDonough is getting not just a top pairing line mate worth a top pairing role but also knows in the back of his head the guys underneath him are competent the you know, fact that Shane Smith are going to come on the ice when McDonough comes off is going to be an ease off his mind you know that the old Tiger Woods fist pump when he would like sink a birdie and he would just do that slow fist bump by the waist I just picture Ryan McDonough doing that exact fist pump fist for like the for oh, like three like three or four hours <laughs> I don't I don't I don't see the slow one I see like the <laughs> The over-exaggerated walking fist bump that he does after <laughs> nailing a 25-foot putt at the Masters. Right. Just for, like, Ryan McDonough walked around New York City all day Saturday just doing that speed walk fist bump. Like, I'm so – I just want to play hockey right now, even though we have to wait. Yeah, no one's happier than Ryan McDonough. Even Henrik Lundqvist, I'm sure, is a little sad that guys like Stepan and Girardi won't be in the locker room I mean, room Lundqvist came out and was like, you know, it's, it hurts on a personal level. And, of course, it does. Those guys are your boys. They've been in your locker yeah, room. He, his life is going to be made so Whoa, much easier by the fact that the Rangers have actual defensemen. It's going to be better, my friend. It'll be much better. Yeah, I just it, – it's it's true. What was our number one – I mean, again, our number one complaint in the history of this podcast has been the Rangers' defensive defense. unit. Yeah, and for sure. in one offseason, the Rangers have turned what was clearly their weakest group and weakest aspect of their team game into the team's strength. And now uh, we traded away a center – and now we're and now we're in need of one, Greg. We're in need of if you want to be honest, we're probably in need of two. We need two. But we definitely but we're need not one. gonna get we're definitely not getting two. We're definitely getting and zero. Yeah, we might get one. I still think there are some who's on names your, who's on, on your the free radar? agent market. I UC Jokinen is the one that I would really like the Rangers to sign. I, I've given up on the fact uh, or the notion that the Rangers are going to acquire 
a top six center. I just don't see it happening. But I think the Rangers. The thing is, like, how would they do it? With what? Uh, they have assets. I, again, we talked about this. You were you left the live podcast okay. at this point, but sorry. The conversation turned into if you can package one of your defensive prospects because you have those now, and maybe a future first round pick with Kevin Hayes for a player you view as a Kevin Hayes upgrade. I think you do it, uh, and that okay. always circles back to a guy like Matthew Shane, who has his limitations, but. Push comes to shove. I think Matthew Shane is a better and more qualified center for a top six role than Kevin Hayes. Everything so I've read I about would, the Avs, though, like and their they don't un- make any sense. unwillingness they, they asked- to trade Matthew Shane, like supposedly, and this is just a rumor, and some people have said it was not true. But you know, the Rangers had a not the Rangers, the Islanders had a first round pick and and a star defenseman on the table for Duchesne and said no. Like uh, the Avalanche, the Avalanche are asking teams for. Uh, ready to go under 25 year old impact skater, okay, your two bro. top picks, and a first round draft. Pick okay, bro. See you Shane. later. How about McKinnon? Yeah. And we'll talk about it. It's that's a package you can ask for Nate McKinnon. Right. You can't ask that package for Matthew Shane. No way. You can ask for like at the draft around the draft time. I still think if the Rangers offered Kevin Hayes, Ryan Graves, and the 21st pick, that's a very fair competitive offer for Matt Duchesne. But uh, that, 20, now, that I, 21st I, pick has a lot of hype behind it right now. So I'm riding that. But at the, time, at the time, it didn't. Like, that's the thing. And it's very clear that that pick was – or that offer was just nowhere even near the conversation with the Avs, which is, I think, why Duchesne hasn't been traded and won't be traded because no one's going to meet Joe Sackett's demand. No, And no in a way, if, if Joe Sackett has that high of an opinion of Matthew Shane, shouldn't be trading him in the first place. You should just keep him. Yeah, you obviously had a great team last season. Uh, you guys won a lot of games. You have a lot mm-hmm. of young talent. Might mm-hmm. as well, uh, might as well stick with it, right? I don't see the problem. Right. I, oh, so oh, that's that's I what comes down to. I would trade. Ago. I would one hundred percent trade Kevin Hayes if it meant acquiring a player that I think is an upgrade from Kevin Hayes. I wouldn't trade. Like Stepan was traded for pieces, for valuable pieces. I wouldn't trade Kevin Hayes for pieces. If I'm trading Kevin Hayes, he needs to be included in a package that nets the Rangers a better player than Kevin Hayes. And I just don't see it happening. I, I, I don't know who the trade target would be. I, I don't. I don't think someone of that caliber exists at this point in time. So we need to get familiar and comfortable with the notion of Kevin Hayes playing top six minutes next year, because it's It's, it's going to happen. And it's the Rangers will need him to be successful in order for them to be as effective offensively as they were last year. Hey, do you think he's going to come into camp fit and 20 pounds lighter? It's going to be hard for him to lose another 20 pounds. <laughs> you don't think he put it back on during the season? Imagine he just put on 20 pounds just to just lose to it lose against it, that storyline can continue. It's going to run, I swear. That story is going to run. Here's the thing. Kevin, Kevin Hayes is a wildly talented player. Absolutely. The problem, with Kev- the problem with Kevin Hayes is consistency. And what you need from your top six forwards is consistency. You need guys you can rely on. And Hayes has never been put in the position by the Rangers to have this much pressure on him. This could either be the best thing for Kevin Hayes or this could be the worst thing for Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes is either going to blossom with the additional minutes he's going to play, the additional responsibilities that are going to be heaped on him. We're talking he's going to have to play penalty kill minutes. Yep. He's basically going to have to do everything the Rangers asked Derek Stepan to do. And he has all the talent in the world to do that and more. He could be a 55-plus point player if he were able to put it all together. That's, but there's that's also the situation. There's just the other the other side of that coin is maybe he doesn't. And if he, if Kevin Hayes doesn't put it all together, the Rangers are in trouble because they do not have right now another guy that could play that role. I I think it would be a mistake for the Rangers to put JT Miller back at center. This is a guy who's blossomed on the wing. He it's not a question of can JT Miller play center. He can. I I just. If you watched his game last year and how effective he was on the wing, I don't know why you'd be tempted to move him back to center. I think it's just you're desperate and you need a center and you have, you know, it's his natural position. It, it looks like all the comments from the Rangers is that JT is going to play center so far. Uh, I, I think it's more likely that Leah Sanderson makes the team out of camp than I, Miller plays center. I think it might be both. Um, I don't think it, if Anderson makes the team out of camp, I don't see a scenario where the Rangers are playing him on the fourth line. Okay, so you think Leas comes in, he plays on the third line with JT? Yeah, I, I think Hayes moves up and the third line becomes... Um, Leas, JT, Grabner? I personally think it's Grabner, as great of a season he had last year, 
he was brought in to be a fourth line player. And I think there's no, you don't need a shoehorn Grabner into a third line role, especially at the expense of Pavel Buchnevich. If, if you had to choose between VC and Buchnevich cannot be playing on the fourth line next year. So you have to guarantee them top nine roles, which means one of them has to play with Anderson. And I honestly think it should be, it should be Booch because Uh, if Anderson's, if Anderson's two-way game is as good as um, our friend James Clark has made it out to be, Anderson can cover for Buchnevich a little bit defensively. I know that's a lot to ask for an 18-year-old kid. Definitely a but lot. Certainly a lot. At the same ask. time, at the same time, Buchnevich is going to open his game, his offensive potential in his first season. I think better than any other player could on the Rangers, unless you're playing him with Zuccarello. But I, you would never do that. Absolutely. Because. You're never putting Zuccarello on the third line. That makes me so sad, I, I though, because put... only because I really like the the Kreider, uh, Mika, Pavel Buchnevich line. Um, I I, I, I want to see more of that, and I don't know if we will. We, I think we will at times. One of the few things that AV does well is he mixes up his lines from game to game. He does he's do not, that. He's not married to partnerships like John Tortorella was. But I would, I would say to start the season, it would – it would benefit Anderson if he was playing with Buchnevich. And if you have JT Miller on the other wing, you're giving Anderson all the offensive weapons on the third line to feel comfortable with, where if you really need him to, he could almost just play as a defensive center and let Miller and Buchnevich create opportunities around him. I'm excited to, I, I think Lias might make the team, you know, and I spent the last, I've, I've, I, the more I think about it, the more, to me, it feels likely. I just, unless I would love Jokinen to come in on a cheap short-term contract. Do you think Jokinen is a three C or? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I I think he's a three C that in a pinch you could play top six minutes occasionally. I wouldn't rely on him to play top six minutes every night, but I I think if Hayes struggles, it's not the end of the world if you see Jokinen is centering Nash and VC. I think that line will be fine. It does suck losing Lindbergh. It would be really nice to have him right now. I will say that. But even then, I I I would still think the Rangers need. They still need a center. They would still need a center. With like again, Lindbergh, Lindbergh kind of is what he is. There's not a whole lot left no, to figure out there. Not. He's a solid it, player. The let me put it this way though: the if Lindbergh was still on this team, we could give Anderson more time, and I would think Anderson. If Lindbergh was here, I think Anderson would go back to Sweden. I want Anderson to go back to Sweden for a year. Just let's, let's be clear with that. I think he would. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I just think – but I would also say as much as I want Anderson to go back to Sweden, if Anderson's going to play next year in the NHL, I think you have to give him a top-nine role. Agree. He has to play serious minutes. Yes, he has to play. It's, it, it, he just has to play. That's Otherwise, it. there's no value in bringing him over. All right. I think you, we- you, either, you either let him develop for an entire year in Sweden or you play him minutes when he comes here. Totally. And I'm not saying top six minutes. You just you have to play him as your third center. Totally agree. Uh, Greg, have we hit all the points we wanted to hit today? I would say so. We talked hold and trade. We talked the Rangers centered. We're going to talk a lot about the Rangers centered depth. Yeah, we I have think. all That's, summer to talk about yeah. that. Guys, do you want to know what we're going to talk about this summer? That. Centered depth. That's yeah. it. So uh, it's going to be a lot of nonsense coming up. There, I'm assuming there will be a lot more hockey news coming in the dog days of July and August here. So there'll be a lot of nonsense on Blue Shirts Breakaway as, as the offseason uh, heads into full swing. So, Yeah, and, you know, the Rangers right now have cap room left, but as of recording, they have not extended Zibanejad. They have not extended Fast. I would say as much as they need a second-line center, I would say those two things are priority for the Rangers. Extending right Zibanejad will be the next move, and we'll talk about that when that time comes. There is one more piece of, the, of news, like, not really news. There's one more piece of nonsense I want to talk about. Okay. It's MLB related. You and I spoke about this a little bit off air. Jesus Christ. MLB put out a poll on June 28th called It's Time to Find Out How Popular Your Baseball Opinions Are. And mm. as you guys know, we are a Rangers Mets food podcast. And we like to talk baseball. So I'm going to go through all these uh, all these questions. There's about 10. And we're going to answer them separately. And the first one is, what is the hardest position to play, Greg? Um... It's a hard question. It's it's worded poorly, and it I is. think a lot of these questions are worded poorly. I agree. Honestly, the position that requires the most individual skill is probably shortstop. The hardest position to play is catcher, and it's not close. I voted catcher also. That that. But is- again, I, I don't think 
I don't think your catcher is your most talent or talented or gifted athlete. I think your best athlete plays shortstop. But without question, day in day out, starting pitcher. Are you counting starting pitcher for skill wise, or? Yes. Okay. Okay. I, I would wow, say right. without question, hardest position to play is catcher. Hmm. I kind of agree. All right, next one. Are you in favor of the DH? This is easy for both of us. I am. I'm not. Okay, next question. Uh, should adult fans bring gloves to baseball games? Absolutely no. not. It no, is. Bring your fucking hands. Your hands are your glove. It's not for you. If you catch a ball, you're handing it to a kid. I just, I don't understand. The ball you catch as an adult at a game, yeah, it's cool for that one moment. But you're going to go back home, you're going to look at that ball, and you're going to throw it in your goddamn closet, right? That's what's going to yep. happen. Or you, maybe, you like, maybe you're a real baseball nerd and you, you, you go ahead and uh, you know, get it framed or put it in a little case or something like that. But if you're an adult home run catcher and you're going to catch balls and such like that, you don't hand them to kids. What is wrong with you? I just don't get it. The thrill of catching a foul ball is catching it. The thrill immediately wears off after you realize two innings later that now you're just holding on to this ball and you, you don't really care. Yeah, you it's don't just care. a fucking ball. It would be super cool no. to catch a foul ball, but you know what else is cool? Making a kid's like super day. Like he's gonna look back at that day forever. I can. I always look back to when John Franco said, "No, I won't sign your ball, Ryan." So uh, that's the moment I always go back to. I had a baseball. John Johnny was busy with a lady, and he never signed my ball, Craig. <laughs> no, it just don't bring a glove to the game yeah. if you're an adult. If you're if you're a kid, absolutely you should bring a glove. Yeah. But if you're an adult, that's like half the, the hell you're doing. You you're. You walk around with two gloves every day. It's your fucking hands. What are you doing? Is it okay to do the wave? No. Ban the wave. What? It's definitely okay to do the wave. No. First of all, I'm going to go give the results of this poll. 32,000 people voted. 55% said yes. 45 said yeah, no. Yeah. Well, who's our president right now? I don't have any trust in... <laughs> oh, that's uh, a good point. Yeah. I don't have any trust in how people vote these days. Uh, no. Don't do the fucking wave. If you're, the, if you're that bored, go on your phone. Everyone's on their phone anyway. It's okay to do it. No. You want to ban it? Ban the wave. Mm, I think it's kind of fun. Like the first, I like it, I think it's the first, like five goes of the wave is fun. After that, stop. It's too no, long. Uh, five? Are you yeah. fucking insane? No, five is great. Five. No, ban, ban it. It's it's pointless. It doesn't the, do anything. If, if you're that bored by the game, go go get a beer or something. Do something else with your life. Uh, peanuts or cracker jacks? Peanuts. I'm a cracker jack guy. You know what? You, you won peanuts. the popular vote on peanuts. I'm a peanut guy too, but I think you're at a game. You get, you get the Cracker Jacks. I think they still have the little like kind of like stickers that come in them. That's kind of sure. fun. That's kind of fun. I don't, buy, I don't buy food for stickers. Hmm. That's, that's me. I, I, love, I love the bars that just have free peanuts for their patrons to eat. I, I, the place I eat peanuts the most are bars because they're just sitting there. And I, Any bar that has popcorn or peanuts out, you're like already ahead of the game. Yeah, already give me, give me pe peanuts over Cracker Jacks any day. Absolutely. This is the oh, easy no, you, not absolutely. You, you said you said. Cracker oh no, Jacks. sorry, sorry. I was talking about uh, in my head. I heard you say, "Give me anything at a bar any day," and I said yes. <laughs> um, this is the easiest question on the entire list: high socks or low cuffs? High socks, not even close. High, so high socks, yeah. High socks. If you're low cuff, why are you even playing baseball? What are you doing? Ba baseball socks make your calves look fantastic, even yeah. if you don't have great. There's calves. two teams named after socks. Come on, guys. Socks are great. Uh, are bat flips cool? Absolutely. I uh, bat flips required. It should be like if it, that's the NBA, even the guys, even the NFL is coming out and strategically allowing, uh, allowing people to celebrate so they can get so, more social media shares. So bat flips, it it should be part of the game. I know it's disrespectful, respect the game, all that, but uh, no, fuck, fuck people who say respect the game. First of all, like that, that I. I hate people that say that. I don't make the game fun. It's fun. That respects it's the game. game. It's a game. Game. Yeah. Talking about a fucking game. When, if when, someone wants to, if someone wants to like jerk a bat off after hitting a ball <laughs> five hundred feet, do it. <laughs> Give it to me. Adam, one of the most depressing things in the world is when um, I love Wilmer Flores to death, but when he criticized Yasel Puig for admiring a home run. Look, if you don't want guys to admire home runs, don't throw at them. Just beat them. Yeah, that's it. If, if a team is beating you as bad as the Dodgers beat the Mets, I would admire a single. I would, I would just start freaking prancing and skipping the first after getting like a putting a bunt down successfully. You want, you want to stop people from doing things against you. You have to play competitive and beat them. Also, I, if love, team... I love when a pitcher's on the mound and strikes someone out and he walks away with the Tiger Wood fist pump. That's like the best. 
I get amped up. I jump out of my chair. There's there's very few moments in baseball where you can be like, yes. Like it's like easily a, a the high point. The the high point of the Mets season last year was that game in September against the Phillies when Cabrera. As soon as Cabrera hit the baseball, he threw the bat. He he knew it was a walk off home run. Yeah. He didn't even bother running the first, and that was my favorite moment of the year. Exactly. By the way, it's it's still light out, and we're doing we're doing fireworks right now. I'm, I'm an old grumpy man. Uh, bat flips are cool. They should be part of the game. It's just it's. I know the old timers don't want it. It's just a new game now, guys. Whole new generation. Uh, this is also the this is probably just as easy. And I think you and I will agree on this. Should anyone ever say the words no hitter while one is in progress? Yes, doesn't matter. What? No way! You me never say, an, say it. You never me say, say it. a no hitter is going on will not impact the next pitch thrown by the pitcher. No, dude, I cannot believe we don't agree on this. This is mind blowing. You, you don't talk about the no hitter. You star it out. You walk around it. It's just. I know we talked. I just talked about breaking tradition, but this is a tradition I would gladly keep. It's just it's, something okay. you don't talk about. Hold, hold on. It is very different if you're in the dugout than if you're a fan. What about all right? So if you're at home, you could you could talk about it. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Yep. What about and if, if you're, you're an announcer, you can talk about it. Wow! If you're an announcer, you can talk about it. Yep. The only people that. that can't talk about it are people on the field and in the dugout. What about at the game? Um. Say you're sitting like in the in the 100 I, level of of I, city. I'd and, say you can you can talk around it. I, I personally probably wouldn't say the words no hitter, but there have been plenty of times where after even three innings at a Mets game and the Met pitcher hasn't given up a hit, I turn to my friend and ask him exactly if tonight will be the night. Like okay. that would be the way I phrase it. I wouldn't say No, that's and I, I agree with you. That's the way you should talk about it. Like, but if I'm at home if I'm at home watching a baseball game and the Mets are through six innings, I'd turn to my friend and be like, You might be throwing a no hitter tonight. I have no problem saying that watching a game at home. I don't think and I, I know I have no problem because we go on Facebook every time there's a no hitter being like no hitter alert. We're in the yeah, seventh inning. That's fair. Fine. I, I, sometimes I start it out. All right. But I, if I'm at the game, I'm never talking about it. Anywhere. If I'm at the game, I'm definitely talking around it. I'm probably not saying the words no hitter, but I, it would be a point of conversation. It's not like I would avoid the conversation. How many? And I wouldn't get angry if someone said, are they going to throw a no hitter? And I'd be like, I don't know. Hopefully. I would be a little bit like, come on, dude. Shut the fuck up. Uh, how, I, many, I want, how many batters? Even if it's making, I'm just going to be like, Ryan, they're throwing a no-hitter. Yeah. Like, I'm going to yell it in your face. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, how many okay. batters does it take to bat around? Nine or ten? Nine plus one. It's ten. You, yeah, you don't – if nine play, people go up to hit in an inning, nine people have hit that inning. You bat around when someone gets a second at-bat. I just uh, – and more people voted for this at nine, and I just don't understand. I just don't I, – I, I don't get it. I, Batting around is not sending your entire lineup up. It's setting your entire lineup up twice. Exactly. Which mascot is the best? There's a couple here, but I will say the leading one is the Philly Fanatic. Tell me why that's wrong. Sadly, it's not. Mm. Like, I hate, don't get me wrong. I hate the Philly Fanatic. Mm, this is a moment in history. <laughs> no, because I, I think Mr. Met's a better mascot, and there's a little bias to that. But at the same time, I understand why casual fans who do not have the the hate and the vitriol for Philadelphia, like Met fans do, think the Philly fanatic is the best because that motherfucker is entertaining. He, yeah. he does gimmicks throughout the game. And he looks he looks pretty funny. I like it. It's enjoyable. I, you know what I hate though? I fucking hate when that fat piece of green shit <laughs> is standing on top of the dugout and gyrating his hips as a batter is hitting. Uh, Fuck you. I, I that's not. Can I just talk that, about that how we did? We did such a like a very professional podcast that we start talking about Philly and we're like, fuck, <laughs> like the whole time. You knew this was coming. You, no, I knew. You I said specifically it asked this question to get this kind of reaction. From I you. did. Happy. Oh, by the way, happy uh, Bonilla Day over the weekend. Uh, that that was Saturday. Fuck I forgot to forgot you. to bring that up. That's you know, God. You're such. You are. I was told to ask you by multiple people. Anyway. Oh yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, well I was told to stick my foot far <laughs> up your ass by multiple people, so I'm going to do that. Hey, maybe I'm into that. Uh. Other mascots in consideration, I do like Orbitz. I'm going to say he's kind of fun. I like Dinger. I think Dinger is is pretty cool. If you you don't know what the Chibi Lot Mariner's Mystery Fish looks like, I guarantee you should go look it up. I think you should leave it a mystery. Okay. (laughs) It is something else. Greg, and the last question on this poll is a hot dog a sandwich. You and I both know what that answer is, and we disagree. Uh, yeah, no, we both know what the answer is because it's yes. Adam Clendenning said so. No, very few people voted yes, and uh, the, actually, the other option they gave me on this on this poll was 
Never ask me this again. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love how much you hate the question because I still think when we have guests on, We're it provides still, some of our best content. It does. It really does. And I know I, I feel like it's old, but it still really works out. No, so. it is. It is ingrained in the history of this podcast. We have to ask everyone who comes on. So, Greg, uh, we know we might do a bonus podcast this week. You and I, I might, we might actually post. Well, this might. One. We have to. It's what we promised the people. Uh, well, you know, we, we did it for Patreon, but I kind of want to post this one for everyone for Baby Driver. But maybe we'll do it. Don't, don't get it in a month. Okay. Well, here's the thing: with with movie reviews, honestly, I think That's we fine. post it. We go late. We, we definitely. It's just it's so it's come out so recent. Yeah. That I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, That's so true. it's fine if that gets posted in a month. We'll post it immediately for our so uh, ten dollar plus Patreon friends. Let but. me let me go ahead and preview the rest of the week for us then. Uh, on this Thursday, we're going to go ahead and have our, our Taco Bell episode where me and my good friend Liz Babinez review Taco Bell. Uh, we're going to do an extra five minutes, I think, maybe this week to add on because Taco Bell just announced the double chalupa, which kind of looks like a diaper, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll be talking about that, and that'll come out later this week from us. We might have another nonsense podcast that comes out pretty pretty soon next week, uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break and all that good stuff. Uh, some, some, some exciting stuff going on in the background, guys, so uh, a lot to look forward to. Yep, and uh, this week is the we're going to send out the third volume of our newsletter. That's yep. something to look forward to. If you're one of our Patreon subscribers who give us at least $5 a month, you'll get that newsletter. And James, um, is, James is actually writing a, a very analytical piece. Analytical, that wasn't a word. Uh, an analytics-based... Analytical's a word. I used it wrongly, I will say that. Uh, James is writing a, apparently a very analytical-based piece uh, on why Shattenkirk is so good in the power play. So we'll, we'll have that on that. And then hopefully we'll have that on a website soon. I know I've been saying that for a year. So, uh, well, by you cry wolf. we'll have articles on our website, but our newsletter, I think is it going will, to it live will on continue Patreon. and live on. Yes. Um, yeah. um, I will have a piece probably on the Rangers center depth and, and I will have a piece on, on why Nick Holden is more valuable as a winger. <laughs> so, <laughs> I should write that piece. I'm I actually, all about it. I actually kind of am thinking about writing it. Um, so that'll be fun. All right, guys. Uh, Greg, anything else we missed on? Uh, what are you doing for the fourth, man? Working? Working. That's what I thought. I'll be at work tomorrow. Okay. Uh, News never stops. Yeah, but yeah, work never stops. No, I was telling you before we got on here that I, I've i been on a – ever since I finished Cheers, RIP, I've been trying to find something to fill the void in my life. Scrubs? And I've, I've been doing it. Scrubs is not on Netflix. It's not? I'm so I angry. It is. Are you serious? No, it's not on Netflix anymore. Hold on. Go ahead. Though. I'm I'm telling you, it's not on Netflix. Okay. I, I looked for it. All right. I searched for it. It's a great. It's so watchable. The most the most depressing thing in the world is when you put in the title of the show you want to watch, and, it's and like DVD. Netflix gives you uh, titles related oh. to instead of the actual Hulu, title. Hulu bought all seasons of Scrubs. Wow. Yep. Scrubs Scrubs is gone. Wow. Um, Such a watchable show. I've been doing I've been doing documentaries or think pieces like that yesterday i fell asleep watching stuff about the gawker lawsuit with hulk hogan that's a fat a uh, fascinating is that is that a documentary on on netflix right now yeah it, it's really good um i got I about two-thirds of the way i got about two-thirds of the way through before my body shut down huh. and today i put on um the history of basically the bolshevik revolution in russia which is a very fascinating topic but i oh, i did not make it i i got Literally, they said they said the names are Nicholas II, and I was out. Oh, I, uh, I have something to talk about with, with you about. Okay, I watched Kingsman. It's fantastic. It was incredible. I could not believe. If anyone out there hasn't watched Kingsman: The Secret Service, the new one's coming out in August. We're definitely talking about that movie. Um, mm-hmm. We'll definitely be doing a review on that one. But Kingsman, I I know you told me to watch it last year, and I didn't until this weekend. What an entertaining watch from start to finish. A great Kingsman. Ca- a great cast. Uh, mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson with a lisp, people getting cut directly in half. Ridiculous, mm-hmm. ridiculous ending that I cannot, I will not spoil, but I couldn't stop laughing about how good it was. It's, I think Baby Driver suffered from this a little bit as well. The, the trailer did the movie a disservice. It lowered my expectation. Like, I don't know if this is necessarily a bad thing. The trailer for Kingsman that I saw in movie theaters made me not want to see it. It, I didn't think the trailer was very good. It didn't do a good job painting what the movie was. But Kingsman's a hard movie to preview. It, it, you, it's kind of one of those movies you just have to see. And I ended up seeing it with a friend and was blown away by it. I loved it. I own that movie now. It's one of my favorite movies. But I, with Baby Driver, it's hard to get a read on what Baby Driver is from the trailer because 
I, I just don't know how you tease that movie. It's kind of one of those movies you just have to see. I'm not going to spoil anything because uh, obviously I've seen it already. It is so fucking good start to finish. And it is sort of a musical based movie, which you would never, uh, the, which you would never know. There are two movies I'm very excited to see this month. The first is without question, Baby Driver, which is Mo Movie Monday for this week. Uh, and then at the end of the month, I could not be more excited for Dunkirk. I think Dunkirk's going to be fantastic. So I have, I have, I feel very weird about Dunkirk and I don't know why. Uh, I'm a big war buff. I love World War II. I watch all World War II documentaries. I love Band of Brothers. I love Savior Private Ryan. I love all that stuff. But Dunkirk just hasn't sparked my interest in the way I wanted it to, and I don't know why yet. I know Tom Hardy's it's, in it, and I know it's, it's Christopher Nolan and I know Tom Hardy. Nolan. I don't know what else you would want. Yeah, I know. I, I'm I'm going to see it, but I I hope right now I'm going in with low expectations, and I don't know why. So I'm, I hope hopefully I'll be blown away. I'm very excited about Dunkirk because Dunkirk. Dunkirk is one of those moments, uh, I'm like you, I'm a big history buff. Uh, it was actually my minor in college for whatever reason. I would love to do a World War II podcast one day. Can we do that? Uh, sure. But Dunkirk is, I think, one of those events in history that doesn't get talked about enough. The, the Germans could have almost ended World War II in Europe at oh. Dunkirk, and they just didn't. Oh, there. by the way, there's like four times they could have done that. I would. I know I'm going to get super nerdy right now, but I would love to do Eastern Front with you one day. It's, it's such a fascinating moment all, all in World War II. This world would be a lot different if the Germans just never invaded Russia. Oh. It's almost, it's yeah. almost that simple. Like, but, if, if the Germans just, fuck but, it, we'll deal with you later, yeah. and just focused on Western Europe. And they would have won so easily, but they almost took Russia. Uh, I'm getting into very nerdy territory here, but they, they had Russia on their back foot. Like like three or four times, and then Russia just fought and grind their way back into the fight. That was that's all that happened. It's it's incredible how just it wasn't it wasn't even that long ago. It was within the last hundred years. All the Germans had to do was study Napoleon and know that Russia's just going to outlast you because all Russia has to do is get you to the winner, and you're fucked. I, they're I, gonna make they're gonna make you walk and they're gonna make you freeze and they're gonna burn everything. We're definitely doing a World War II podcast, hundred percent. Now I'm I'm all in on this right now. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll go back to that. Last movie about the summer, uh, this this summer I really want to see. Got to see Spider Man. Just got to do it. I don't know what it, what it is. Yeah, I'm okay. I I am weird with Marvel movies. I honestly only recently have I've seen Civil War and yeah, Doctor Strange. Were both on Netflix, so I finally watched them. Oh, Doctor Strange on Netflix. I didn't watch it yet, so I'll do that. Yeah, it is. It's it's fine. It's okay. Right. It's good. It's all right. It's it's you know it's Civil War's amazing though. I agree. It's we, better than Cumberbatch. We can, we can so agree it's, on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's, it's it's not bad. It's not good. It's 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 fun. Spider Man's just fun, and they don't do any of the backstory. I'll I'll see. It's a good flick, probably. I'm 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 relieved they're not. I don't need to see Uncle Ben die for the, for the fifth time. time. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, I agree. All right, so like we we all we all know he got bit by a radioactive spider. You don't have to tell me this anymore. He actually in this one he doesn't. That's the kind of another secret. There you go. But at the same, I'm just saying I don't need the. There are some like I needed the origin story of Ant Man. Yeah, I needed I. Um, Iron Man, the origin story was very entertaining. Captain America, the origin story was very entertaining. I don't need Spider-Man's origin story. Yeah, don't need it. it. You know it. I, I know it. It's just like the way Christopher Nolan did Batman's origin story is very different. Um, and it flowed perfectly through three movies. So I almost don't consider that an origin story. Like I don't consider Batman Begins an, a true origin story. No, but that movie's perfect. What a great movie. The, that... the, those three movies are perfect. I agree. I have no complaints about any of those movies. I know people, some people don't like Bane, but I'm in on Bane. Oh, I'm all in on Bane. Because again, Tom Hardy. Super fun. Tom, Tom Hardy, what I've learned is Tom Hardy could drive a car for an hour <laughs> and a half on a movie screen and I could be entertained by it. Because you know what? He did that. Else. If yeah. everyone wants to see the movie Locked, let me tell you right now. This doesn't spoil everything, but that movie is Tom Hardy on the phone for an hour and a half driving down a highway in England. That's the entire movie. That's not even an exaggeration. It's incredible. They did it in one take, probably. <laughs> I, I honestly think Tom Hardy just, like, they did it in one take, and Tom Hardy just drove that entire time. Just That's hanging out what a great on guy. the road. Unbelievable. It just, and, and, and truly, I'm not making fun of this movie. It actually was entertaining and very interesting from how it was shot and written and everything like that. It, it's, it's a strange movie, but I, I'd say if you're a movie buff, it's worth your time. Agree. All right. So listen, we're definitely going to do that World War II podcast. Now we'll talk. I'll talk to you about that later in the week because now I'm super interested into it. Um, uh, everyone enjoy their happy Fourth of July. If you're from America, if you're one of our foreign listeners, have a great Tuesday or Wednesday when you're listening to this. And uh, and that's about it. Uh, Greg, anything else? 
No. I'm going back. I'm going to try take two on this Russia documentary. This sleepy time, Greg. Yeah. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>